0: This week my guest is fellow podcaster Mario Aguiar of the Fall in 360 podcast. He is based out of Arizona. He is a former National Guard member. His wife has also been an active duty. They are a family of almost like a Brady bunch where they've brought their own fam- like children from past relationships together and had an extra one together. It's a fun family. It's a very interesting conversation. We talk about life as a military family. Uh, we talk about his past, his family, and his fear of legacy, which is a very interesting fear to me of not the fear of dying, but the fear of what people think of you after you're gone. That's such an interesting and that fascinating theory like of fear rather and it's a very fascinating fear so let's get into that conversation with Mario Aguiar all right we're here with my guest host of the Fall in 360 podcast and veteran Mario Aguiar did i say that right that's
1: eh, about as close as as anyone can get. So, I've been called
0: worse. <clears throat> so, I enjoy your podcast because I've kind of encouraged my like veteran comics to maybe like tap into the like the veteran story kind of podcast where you where you can talk about different things that happen in the military besides the wartime. You know, just almost the station time, like the day to day.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of what we talk about a lot of different stuff. We have some, um, what do you call it? Um, I guess segments, if you will. One of them is specifically called uh, Tales from the Guard Tower, which mm-hmm. if you've been in the military, just like, you know, a fireside chat
0: mm-hmm.
1: where you'll talk about whatever and anything that comes up. Right. And so when you're stuck in a guard tower with somebody else for 12 hours, you do, you know, I mean, obviously you're supposed to be watching out your lookout guy. But you end up just talking and and making up stories and all kinds of fun stuff, you know, and you have debates and, you know, no wonder, you know, when you watch the Rambo movies and stuff, the guard guys always get killed first. And people are like, there's no way you can kill those guys. They're like trained, right? How would they, how do they get killed so easily? I'm like, that's because we're not paying attention, man. You know how boring it gets up in a guard <laughs> tower. So anyway, so yeah, one of those segments, we kind of play off of that and we talk about chupacabra we talk about ghost stories aliens whatever you know so we cover a lot of cool fun subjects
0: definitely i would imagine being stationed out since you you started in el paso and then moved to arizona there's a lot of roswell and new mexico you know kind of stories of going on that that you just kind of there's the military rumors of this happened
1: oh yeah and then you know then add add to that the whole hispanic factor you know, Paso, you talk about ghost stories, you know, and La Llorona, you know, which is a huge, you know, Latino myth, right, about the, the crying, wailing lady or whatever, you know, kind of the banshee type story. And so you add all those elements to it and a lot of superstition, and you got yourself a, a nice little, little show there. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: That's awesome. So, so how long did you serve in the National Guard?
1: Uh, 11 years altogether. So after that, I was like, that's just a little bit past the halfway point. So I'm either going to shit or get off the pot, right? Okay. It's like, and I, I don't know if I can cuss on here, but uh, essentially <laughs> you're. Um, that's pretty much it. I was like, look, I either spent another nine years and, and hit my 20 or get off now, right? And I was already doing stuff in the military community and with veterans and all that. So I was like, I decided to get off and kind of do my own thing and try my my hand at the civilian world, you know? And so far it's worked out pretty good
0: i'm glad uh do you have do you have like kids and
1: we do so we're a uh military couple so my wife also serves she actually served she actually did the whole you know 20 23 years i believe in, in in total in the end so and she you know she she was smart and she got her degrees and all that stuff so she you know she also does you know has her own civilian career and all that other stuff too uh but um we met in the military, you know, we're both divorced as, you know, unfortunately, a lot of military guys and, and girls go through that. Um, but, you know, we have a great relationship with, with all our kids and our, our families and everything else. And so that's the the most important part, but yeah, all together we have five mixed kids. So two from her, two from me, and then one little, uh, little together nugget, whatever you want to call them, a little peanut. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: I can, I can imagine like with the military, because if you're spending 12 hours in a guard tower together, that's that's quite a first date. <laughs> it's good. Gonna...
1: Yeah. I, I got to know my buddies more than I did my my ex-wife, you know, and deployments, too. We were both deployed twice, um, separ- you know, once together and twice uh, separate times and, um, training. I mean, I altogether, I know, you know, National Guard reserves, you know, we're called weekend warriors and whatever, you know? Uh, but at the end of the day, like, especially after nine 11, we did a lot of time, uh, training, you know, I was on the the border mission. I got, you know, sent to trainings, uh, for leadership training, things like that. And, you know, changing schools, MOS's, which is your military occupational school. Um, so, Anyways, I was gone for a total of like probably 6 years altogether. During so about half my time for deployments and training, I was I was gone. So it was it wasn't it wasn't easy.
0: Yeah. I would think that would be even harder because it's it's easy to it's easy to say that you're only part-time, but that would mean that you still have to retain your training even in downtime. Whereas yeah. a soldier that's fully de- you know active duty, everything is is on all the time you have to be able to turn that on and off at a moment's notice, which I would think would be even more difficult.
1: Yeah. I worked at a bank while I was in the National Guard. Um, and uh, how do you go from working at a bank to then going to Iraq? You know, <laughs> and so it's like training, obviously, you know, it's there and, and we go through it. But yeah, we have to do, we have to keep up with all the same standards. So,
0: Yeah. Plus you've got a, you've got a day job that you've got to then all of a sudden find out how you get, paid you know whatever leave you need to get to do your military you know service because that's not you know it's not like the in the world war ii where everybody you know worked then went to war then came back and there's all these exactly all these different standards that companies have for that and they've got to find a way to make it work dude they
1: hated me at the bank because i was always gone on training and like every quarter when i wasn't about to make my quota for sales or whatever I'd be like, uh, I got to go on training, guys. So then they could never they could never like write me up for for not hitting my quota or things like that, because I always had an excuse. I was always gone. Luckily, I gotta give a shout out to John Blanks was my boss and he was a Vietnam veteran. So he got it. He understood mm-hmm. it. He was like the, the the regional bank manager. And so he always like I in fact, he's like one of the only people that I've stayed. You know, this was like 10 years ago and I'm still in touch with him and he's 70 now. You know, but he he understood it, and so I was very lucky to work under him. And I think I was with that bank for six years, but I physically only worked like two and a half, maybe three years out of that whole time because the rest of the time I was gone. So
0: <laughs> that's that's amazing, and it's it, it's got to be hard parenting too because then you've got to you got to take the full time parent role while the other's deployed. Yeah, and kind of be be both father and you know mother at the same time to you know not to take that role on is such a it's such a challenge but at the same time I think it makes everybody closer because you realize like that the other person could be gone and it's kind of that it's almost a you it's an understanding of yeah this could you know this is how we have to work
1: yeah I mean my hat's off to all the spouses honestly I mean including you know my ex-wife we had our differences but we get along great now. And I tell all the time, like, look, she's the reason why our, our, our kids are are well behaved. She raised them at a young age, especially my my older son, who's 19 now, uh, because she was there while I was gone. You know, so I give uh, my, my hats off to the spouses, men, men and women. Right. Because both it used to be a time where, you know, it was mainly men that served. And, and but nowadays it's both my partner in crime, who's Crystal, she's also on the podcast too. So we we have a great time when when we talk about this stuff. But yeah, that's really, you know, when people say thank you for your service, I always say, you know what, thank the spouses because they, we signed up for this, mm-hmm. right? And honestly, like we're the crazy ones that want to join the military. When we're out there, we know what our mission is. Stay alive. Do whatever, you know, they're asking of you and uh, complete the mission. You don't have to worry about bills. You don't have to worry about school. You don't have to about, you know, the kids grades and that stuff, that 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 stuff sucks. It can wear wear on you. And you're like, how can you compare that to being shot or being shot at? And you're like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it sounds silly, but being shot at is easier than handling bills. So my hat's <laughs> off, like I said, to the, the the caretakers and you know the people that yeah. stay at home and take care of all that.
0: Do you do y'all do things like military missions? Do you have military <laughs> missions for your children to to accomplish school? Like here's the objective straight A. We
1: should, we (laughs) should, but you know what? We, we became, I I don't want to say bitter about the military, but we just, we were like, you know, 11 years for me and appointments and all this other stuff. And she'd spent 23 years that towards the end of it, you just kind of get tired and all you, you miss all the great stuff, Mm -hmm. but there's so much other BS that we have to deal with too. Right. And that we're like, look, we don't want to be like those bad leaders. You know, we've all heard the toxic leadership, you know, the military, you know, has to, you know, they have great leaders, but they also got a lot of stuff they got to take care of, you know, We've all heard. We were just talking about it right, right before we started recording. Fort Hood, it's a lot of bad stuff out there, right? Mm -hmm. Like the leadership, the 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 missing bodies, things like that. And not to get off on a tangent, you know, but that happens everywhere. That's not the only place. The National Guard has its share of bad leaders and good. And so, uh, I think mostly what we took from that is we took a lot of the good stuff that we learned, or even the bad stuff, right? And we said we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that to our kids. We don't want to be the douchebag parents that, that treat their kids, you know, like, like they're in the military because there's good aspects of it. But I think if you take the, the good leadership parts of it and, and teach them, you know, about health and fitness and, you know, good leadership skills, then then they'll be okay. That's awesome.
0: Is, are any of your children showing interest in the military?
1: Not one bit. <laughs> We're okay with it. My, uh, my 19 year old, I kind of, I was like, kind of pushing. I was like, look, man, you're. You're a smart kid, but, you know, yeah. he doesn't want to go to college. He doesn't, want, he doesn't know what he wants to do. And I was like, that's all right, you know, but, you know, maybe maybe go to the military and, and get a little bit of money and and get some school under yeah. your belt and you don't have to pay for it. And, yeah. and, you know, next four years and then we'll see. But he wants to follow, you know, music and do all stuff. So, you know, mm-hmm. let him just let him kind of learn his way. That's kind of what I did. So I can't yeah. I can't be a hypocrite.
0: Yeah, that's true. It's just, I, 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 you're, you're reading my mind though. I was like, well, you know, I know there, are, there, there are a lot of flaws, but free education, free college, you know, tuition, the Brady bill, you know, and yeah. all pretty solid idea to just kind of go in there, get your basics at least that way you don't have to pay yeah. for those. And. And
1: that's what Crystal did. You know, that's what she did. She used the military and then, uh, to get her up to her, her bachelor's and then after that, she she went into like a public affairs unit. So she used those skills to get into like the county attorney's office and the attorney general's office in Arizona. And then she used their their like education bills that they had and got her master's degree. So she worked, She like I said, she's the smart one, right? She's the smart one. I'm just smart because I stuck with her, right? But um, she's, um and, and so that's kind of what she tries to, to teach them and stuff. No matter what they do, we're okay. Mm-hmm. And now if they join the military, at least they have two parents that know and understand the system. And we'd be like, look, go this way, go that way. Don't let them kind of talk to you into whatever, you know, because the recruiter will tell you, if you do this job, you're going to, once you get out, you're going to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, right? That's not necessarily true unless you're a nuclear technician, which, you know, <laughs> very rare and few, uh, mm-hmm. in between. So,
0: yeah. And that's a, you know, that's a great thing too, is that you're not going, you, if you do go into this, you won't be going into it blind. You'll have Two people behind you that 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 have you know kind of taken different paths and know the ins and outs of what you can you can and can't do and maybe should you know take take advantage of that they wish they would have or right definitely not the meal packs but
1: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah.
0: <laughs> we had a we had a guy a military guy at our day job bring a bunch of military packs for a for a presentation and we had to eat those and that was. Eye-opening, to say the least. Yeah, that,
1: was it the, the MREs, the ones in like the 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 bags, right? You have yeah. to open up and heat up and everything. Yeah, yeah, those are always fun.
0: Yeah, so it was very interesting.
1: If, uh, no, I was gonna say if you don't want to poop for about a week, those are great
0: because
1: <laughs> that's what they do. To you. They clog you up. I don't know yeah. if you knew that, but if you're if you're out, if you're out in the middle of nowhere, the last thing you want to do is poop a lot. So yeah. they're meant to yeah. you know clog you up. So it's
0: <laughs> want not waste not.
1: Yeah. And it's 10,000 calories too. Like people think like, oh, you can eat one of those per meal. Like, no, those are intended to last you like a day or two days. Like, in fact, if you were out in the middle of nowhere and you had to survive with that, you could make that last you a whole week, like one bag. Right. But if you ate, you know, one of those per every meal, you'd be in trouble. So, you know. You'd be looking like I do right now, you know. Yeah. A little bit bloated around the midsection.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing the shirt that says I kind of work out, but just don't look any lower than my chest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's got he's got broad shoulders, but man, that gut is really really yeah. prominent down there. Why
1: do you, Why do you think my my camera is like <laughs> so high up here? It's not like any lower, right? It's like I look. This is where I look good that night.
0: <laughs> so. My podcast is I like to talk about what people are afraid of, and you had an interesting fear, which is, you have a couple of them, which we'll have you on for another episode for one of yeah. them. But I like to call it legacy. Is what I is what it it came across when you told me like it's the it's what how people remember you, and that to me that's just legacy. Right.
1: I I can't I couldn't agree anymore. That's exactly. I mean, that's part of it. That's a big part of it. I think. I think mm-hmm. that's that's probably for me specifically. When you put it that way, is what i left behind right which is yeah. like you said your your legacy uh, so i actually looked it up because i never really cared to mm-hmm. think about it i just knew that it was in the back of my mind right and it's actually called i can't even pronounce a thazagoraphobia i don't know if you looked it up but it's a thazagoraphobia so the fear of either forgetting uh or being forgotten so and it, it here i mean i'm learning a lot of stuff about my childhood right yeah it talks about like a lot of this stems from like traumatic events either being a lo- left alone you know when as a child or one specific event you know things like that people who who get lost right uh as a child mm-hmm. you know go through this kind of stuff and so it was really interesting kind of learning about this so being on this show kind of made me research my own fear i always thought i was just um you, you know just um What's that other term? Uh, it's called uh, FOMO. Mm-hmm. You ever heard of FOMO?
0: I have, yeah. but I didn't. I've never fear, looked at the acronym.
1: Fear, fear of missing out. Fear of yeah. missing out is just, and that's we make fun of people for that, right? And yeah. I always felt like I kind of have a little bit of FOMO because I have this fear of missing out, right? When there's a big group of people talking, whatever, I want to be there. I want to know what they're saying, right? Um, you know, the party, and or like, you know, I really don't feel like going to this party today because i'm tired i worked all week but everyone's gonna be there all your cool friends especially that one guy you don't like from work you're like well if he's gonna be there i want to be there like you know it's like this fear of missing out and you're like why can't you just be comfortable with just saying no just missing out on this event on this thing whatever uh and so i always thought it was just that right i have kind of always had that You know i just want to be part of the party mm-hmm. included in the party and it turns out there's a little bit more to it than that. So who knows? We might discover some yeah. some stuff tonight.
0: Well, I was just thinking maybe it was coming along from the from the lines of being you know active duty or military and stuff like that. Is that unfortunately being a military is you you do lose some brothers and sisters, and it's and it's just a start. You when you have that kind of I guess stark reality that this is their you know that was their last moment and you start you you have a lot of thoughts about that i would think just post you know what am i you know if, if i don't make it home right you know what what is my legacy or are, 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 you know my brothers in, in arms what stories are they going to tell of me to my kids yeah that that's where i thought it was coming from i was like man that that is a deep fear because when you're active duty or you're putting your life on the line for, you know, for kind of for love of country. It's up to the people that you serve with to kind of tell your story at that point, that they're the ones that kind of, you know, bring your your story back to the, your loved ones and, you know, to or whoever else.
1: Right. And that's true that 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 um, I think that if I had this fear, because I always had that fear of missing out, right? I always wanted to be part of something bigger. And that's probably why I joined the military to begin with, right? Because I wanted to be part of something bigger than myself and and see what, what everybody's talking about. But I think you're right. It's probably exacerbated by the fact that, you know, you know I did lose some friends in, in combat. And so you always try to remember their legacy. Like you said at the beginning, you're like, you wonder, like, what could have been if I did? You know, sometimes you're like, you know what? Like, I didn't do enough. That's the other piece too is like they did, they paid the ultimate sacrifice, right? They they died for us too. But then there's other people too who go on and they do great things after the military or even during the military. And you're like, and you compare yourself to all those people. You're like, what did I do? You know, was I in the right job? Should I have done more? Like I always feel like I could have done more. You know, it's just this real, really weird feeling where like you did something that a lot of other people aren't willing to do. And that's enough. But it's just for me personally, like I said, you know, having come from that that background, I already had FOMO. I already knew that I wanted to be something, do two great things. And when you just end up doing, and I know it's weird to say this, you're just a regular guy. Just a regular guy in the military. You're just you did your normal thing. You went, you know, you served. And even though I went to Iraq, it was still one of those things, like, yeah, but everybody goes to Iraq, you know, and so it's just a weird, can't even explain it. But yeah. uh, at the end of the day, I'm sure, I'm sure that place a lot uh into you know my fear now especially now
0: yeah plus i i feel like the military there is competition in the military like when you're in basic and stuff like that to to be the top performer or to you know not to be the guy on the bottom and there's definitely i would say a co- a competition like there's a commercial and i know it's cheesy but he was a veteran he was like on peloton or whatever and he's like I wake yeah. up, it's like five or six in the morning for these veterans only like Peloton competitions just to compete against my fellow veterans. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, well, that's the kind, you know, and that's the kind of guy that you basically you serve with is those people you yeah. guys, you compete with each other to, to, to do better the at the job. Right.
1: And it's funny because you, when you say that, you mentioned basic training, and that's true. Because in basic, especially basic, that's when you compete the most. Because you're you're being you're being pushed, right? Especially by the drill sergeants, and you're probably in the best shape you're ever going to be in your military career, unless you go on to do like special forces or other stuff. But most of you are younger. You're in great shape. You're working out. That's all you do. And so, but talking about basic training after you've graduated, being in the middle, especially now is like talking about high school, right? Yeah. Then you become Al Bundy where you're like, you know, when I was in high school, you know, I could throw, I bet you I could throw that ball over that mountain or something. And so you talk about your basic training days, which were sometimes your, your glory days. You're like, man, that's it's just like talking about your high school days, right? So what did you do? So then we, but then you go, you know, you're in your, you know, your unit, uh, whether it's a guard or active duty, whatever it is. And, and then it still continues, right? You, you try to outdo each other, you know, or you, we all know that one guy that, you know, the one upper. You know, mm-hmm. and so in the military kind of everybody kind of ends up being that one upper because everybody wants to do more than the other person or whatever, you know, and so you, you want to go up in rank, you want to impress your your leadership. And, you know, that's part of the that's 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 good because it kind of teaches you to be responsible and to kind of grow up and, and 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 do more right more yeah. than just the minimum. But then at the end of the day, too, I think it's part of why I think there's a lot of issues when you get out of the military. The civilian world doesn't quite work the same way, right? There's a lot of other, there's a lot of backstabbing. There's a lot of, you know, people step on each other to get to the top. And at the end of the day, like, yeah, that happens in the military, too. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit different. You know, hard work does pay off. And the civilian side, you have to get used to the way things are. And I'm not saying it's it's, 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 it's better or worse. It's just different and you just have to get used to it. And a lot of veterans, they don't get used to that. And so they get disappointed because they're like, man, and then start missing the good old days. Right. And mm-hmm. so it, it can be a tough learning curve once you get out of the military.
0: Yeah, that's one thing I've like I've really applauded like the, the steps that they've taken because both of my grandparents served uh, my grandfather and my dad's side passed before I was born, but he was a Navy man. And my grandfather that I did know was an army vet from World War II, and he had a lot of traumatic events that happened to him because he was on the the Horn of Africa as far as World War II. Like he went through the Horn of Africa uh-huh. to Italy, and he's he was run over by a tank. He was in a knife fight with an Austrian soldier, like hand to hand, like him or him or me. Like and, right, and, right. And there was no, there's no there's no counseling after that. Like he, he would, he was just, a, he just drank a lot. And, you know, yeah. I, I was too young to, to really ask about it, but he had scars on his face and he talked about how the guy stabbed him in the head and the face.
1: Yeah.
0: It just, it has bo- a thing. Yeah. And as you get older, you're like, how did you manage to have two kids and be a successful engineer with that kind yeah. of, that kind of, I guess, Post traumatic Trauma. stress baggage. Yeah.
1: And it wasn't even known. Like, they didn't know about post traumatic stress back then. They, they called it shell shock. It's mm-hmm. like, come on, just get over it. Right. Yeah. Like, that's how people were treated back then.
0: <laughs> I mean, they were, and they were, and for Vietnam people, or you were even reviled because the yeah. other group, the other side of it, anti war protesters, just marked them as an enemy. So you're, you're near, you're having near death experiences every day and you come back to people telling you you're you're trash and everything else
1: yeah Yeah. baby killers yeah it was tough the the vietnam generation definitely had it uh the the toughest of all so then now think about this i'm going to be a little selfish right now because you're like how do we live up to those guys how do we live up to what they call the greatest generation right the world war ii generation that's the generation that came back did it without without going to counseling. They they put a man on the moon. They built our economy. Right. That's the generation. Like you say, your, your grandfather's engineer. I mean, they did amazing things. And then we talk about the Vietnam era veterans that came back and they had to survive another war back home. And so now all the attention is on these great generations. They did amazing stuff, and I feel like we're like, oh well, they did amazing stuff. Like people, when you think of the military, a lot of people think of Vietnam, right? Going through the jungles and your your jungle boots and you know your your Kevlar and stuff like that. And even the descriptions, you know, as as a comedian, I'm sure you you've seen it, you've read the lines, you you know the 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 funniest lines, of what like Tropic Thunder, probably one of the funniest uh, movies depicting military members, which, you know, the, and and you ask any military member, by the way, and that is a hilarious movie. That mm-hmm. is by far one of the funniest depiction of like Vietnam era style veterans, but that's what we all see. Right. We see that, that, those, that, that type of Sergeant. And, uh, nonetheless, it's like, they got the best music too. Right. There's been yeah. constant movies where they show that. And so, uh, you know, our era, we're a little jealous. We're a little jealous because we're not as cool as even though the vietnam era veterans had it tough we're not as cool as those guys we hadn't had we didn't have it as tough as they did and the world war ii generation is the greatest generation of all time so we're like over here going we're just we're 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 nothing man we're you know we're just uh everyone keeps telling us that these guys are all better than us and so you know it's it's silly at the end of the day but i think part of us wishes we could have been there you know and been part of that
0: see I kind of disagree on that, just on the fact that the World War II and the Vietnam generation didn't have the kind of day-to-day exposure that a desert storm era on true like Soldier had. Like you have Dan Rather was the went to Vietnam, was like the first reporter that was like in the war and that you know, we slowly are getting media coverage, whereas in World War Two, all you got was the pre-movie Yeah, yeah, yeah. Update like, of what's America. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get you didn't get the you didn't have the day to day like seeing of it, seeing what was happening. It was yeah. you had you were always like a week or so behind what was going on overseas or in you know, days, you know, and you just there was just no way to know. And so I feel like in those days yeah it 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 seems more glamorous but there are some just don't know if you could have if if you had the kind of media coverage you have today in world war II, would would we have gotten as far as we did as far as you know hiroshima yeah. and nagasaki and, and that's right.
1: Why- yeah, you're right. And that's why I said, I was like, I'm going to be a little selfish because a lot of it, we are babies. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Like we, you're right. We get so much coverage. And at the end of the day, we get so much love too, because Vietnam, especially compared to Vietnam, we came back, we came back to Heroes Welcome. We came back to shout. you know, the airplanes would get showered with fire hoses and, you know, you'd have people like, especially Dallas. I came back to Dallas, um, the Dallas airport and, um, you'd have rows of people clapping you, cheering you on and, you know, bring tears to your eyes. And so we're spoiled, we're spoiled. But I think internally part of that being in the military, you get trained, you're like, you gotta be in the suck. Right. So for us internally, and and I guess we're crazy. We wish we're like, Oh man, those, those like the world war two, like they went through real tough shit. Yeah. Vietnam went through tough stuff. Right. And I think that's, like you said, going back to the competition where we get so competitive that we're like, I wish it was tough. I mean, trust me, I know that one day in Vietnam, I'd probably be crawling in my foxhole and crying like a baby, but in my mind, you know, being as privileged as, you know, maybe not privileged, I get it. But, you know, compared to those guys, we have it a lot easier. You know, I never had to spend a day in a foxhole other than basic training, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of stuff we learned in in basic, we never had to really use in in combat. We, our technology is so much better. We're, we're so much luckier. The worst thing we have to complain about these MREs you talk about And and uh, tents, sleeping in tents and and having no AC. Yeah, that sucks. But trust me, I get it, man. These guys had it a lot tougher. But part of us still wishes we I don't know what it is. Like I said, we're just crazy. Mm -hmm. We part of us wishes we had it a little tougher.
0: Well, I'm sure every, you know, every generation, I think soldier anywhere would love to, you know, kind of live that time period just a little bit just to experience it.
1: Yeah, we romanticize that, you know. I think we romanticize the World War II veteran. We romanticize, you know, being sitting in a foxhole, you know, in Vietnam, writing to to your girlfriend, you know, writing to good old Peggy Sue. And um, you know, I think that's part of that 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 dream. And but a lot of that I think. I think a lot of us veterans do that anyways before we join the military. You have an idea of what you think it's gonna be and ends up being nothing like it, right? And it's up to us to kind of take the good along with the bad and all that. But I think everyone's experience is different. But for the most part, it's not, you know, exactly what it is, but you know, to each his own, I guess.
0: Yeah. It it definitely it definitely is eye opening and I feel like we've we've just done a better, you know, we're getting better at it. We're not perfect yet, but we are getting better at getting soldiers that once service members kind of acclimated to, to civilian life. And I feel like instead of just telling them, oh, go back to your families and, you know, just pretend like none of this happened.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, it's definitely getting better. I I would definitely agree with that too because um I when I said I left the you know after eleven years the reason why I got out it was so easy for me is because I was already starting to work with a a nonprofit right that helped with post traumatic stress and connecting veterans to job employment I ran an employment resource center just for veterans helping veterans connect to to their jobs and things like that so it was um that was that was very enlightening for me and and helpful and I think that helped my transition slowly transition out into the civilian world. I did that for five years before kind of even cause even the, the, the nonprofit world is still a little bit connected to the government kind of style of, of working in the military style. You're, you know, and so it was a slow transition. Now I'm completely full throttle into the civilian world. And, you know, I'm, I don't think I could have done it without that, that slow transition.
0: Yeah. I definitely do. Like one of my favorite is, uh, of one of the military pro, uh, Project Rubicon. I think yes. that was really cool that they, I was like, that's amazing to think to for disaster, you know, for search and rescue to get these former Navy SEAS and people that are, that are acclimated to those kind of environments where you don't know exactly what you're walking into Yeah, to actually be people that could go out and rescue people. Cause I have family in Houston and stuff. So I, when Harvey hit, I was totally enamored with the team Rubicon or whatever that would, They would send in these military veterans to kind of asset, you know, to help the law enforcement to get people out. And I was like, what better than people than, you know, people that have had situational training in in floods and.
1: I believe they even get they've grown enough or big enough now to where I believe they get funding from FEMA too to help in a lot of these situations because they'll they'll do more than just search and rescue now I think they do things like uh, uh rebuilding mm-hmm. they they help rebuild some of these communities too and they have people I know locally I know some of the people that that run the local chapters here in Phoenix and um, they do trainings all the time like legitimate trainings on on entering uh, a building that's torn half torn down because of a hurricane or tornadoes or whatever it is you know and you know uh ensuring that safety first right um and then rebuilding they have plumbers i mean they have engineers they have all kinds of people and and so it's a legitimate uh legitimate um you know i don't even know i, mean, I think it's a nonprofit, i'm not even sure it's part of like it's like attached to the government now i don't know if how it works but yeah. it's pretty amazing what they've done
0: yeah and see so so when you can when you think of legacy for you as a as a dad what do you what do you feel like what do you what do you you fear most like that your that your children
1: yeah what what will they say about me like what what are the things that i've brought to the table like will they be like yeah my dad he was he was um I, i don't know like what you know he he what, what are they going to say about me? You know, that, that it gets even hard for me to, to explain it. Like, I don't quite understand it, but I want to be somebody they can say, you know, like the grandchildren that everybody will remember and say, you know, he kind of built this, this family. And I guess probably the, the best way to explain this is to kind of explain what, where it comes from. Well, part of where it comes from, right? We, I, like I said, I, I don't know if this, like I said, a reading about it, Uh, don't know if it started as a child and maybe I was left alone too much, or maybe I was too much of a mama's boy and, and, you know, I have a fear of, of not, you know, being remembered or being forgotten more than anything, but. The way I see it is my grandparents, um, and this could be the answer right here. We could be solving the, the whole case right now. But my, my grandparents, my grandma and grandpa on my father's side had a beautiful relationship. You know, had, I think, uh, seven children altogether. a lot older. My dad was the youngest, right? So the family was already large by the time we came because my dad was the youngest. I had cousins that were, or I'm sorry, I had nephews and nieces that were younger than me. Right. If that makes sense, because their parents were my cousins, but they were my dad's age, essentially. You know, so it was a big family. My point is that every year for my for New Year's, for Christmas, we'd all get together. I mean, you're talking about, you know, 40 plus people. My grandma was born close to New Year's. And so New Year's was a huge thing. Singing and dancing and food and great stuff like that. Right. When my grandpa died, Slowed down a little bit, but my grandma was the, the real, like, you know, the, the root, you know, so it, it, they, they kind of stayed, but the week to week things changed, right? The, the communication wasn't the same without my grandpa, but the, the parties were still there. The, the gatherings were still there with my grandma. Now, when she passed away, it all went away. All of it went away. And I always thought I'm like, and and you know, I always thought of my grandma I was like she was my 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 angel, right? That she she's the one that gave me the most attention and everything else. So for me, I've never had that again. You know, and now we're starting our family. Like I mentioned, you know, we're we're kind of a we're a mixed family, you know. We've got, you know, two kids each with with our spouses, which we get along with, and we've all been together at the same parties now. Like we actually managed to have the exes together, which is incredible. And all the kids, their girlfriends are older now, right? Except for the younger ones. Um, but um I want to rebuild what they did. So if that makes sense, like that's what I want, want to be remembered as. Like mm-hmm. the way I remember my grandfather and my grandmother as you know, I mean, I I, I don't know how else to compare it to other than like the godfather, right? Mm-hmm. Being like a little a little mafia family where like in you know, without the murder. Yep. Without our, and uh but you know, like knowing like you, you come in and everybody respected my grandfather. I respect everybody, respect the, the females, you know, they got their advice from my, my grandmother, you know, and my, my grandfather was a man of few words, but you know, I'm not like that. And I, I speak a lot more than he does. I have a podcast. So I should, but um, that's what I want to, I want to build that, you know, and I want to have that for our family. And so one day I hope that, you know, my kids, my grandkids have that same respect because I feel like, Somewhere along the lines, my family kind of forgot all that. They forgot my grandfather. They forgot my my grandmother. Maybe individually, they remember them. But as a whole, we just all kind of fell apart, you know? And I always wondered, like, why? What happened? And maybe maybe certain things weren't established. And so maybe I'm overthinking it. I don't know. Maybe that's just the natural way things happen. But I want to build that, you know, like you said, that legacy like even after I'm gone, like mm-hmm. I want those kids, their grandkids, their wives, their their husbands to continue coming together, you know, because that's what me and, and my wife built, mm-hmm. you know. So that's if that if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: That makes total sense. And that's something that on my dad's side, my mom's side of the family is not that big. It's two, it was two kids and I'm an away child. So I didn't we didn't add much to that side. But my dad's side is very much like that. Like we had we had my grandmother who was, like, here's the matriarch of the family. And so that was when she, you know, everybody would meet at her house, the small two-bedroom house in Beaumont. And that's where we would have our Christmas. And gradually, as my grandmother got older and eventually passed, my youngest aunt of the group is the one that, that kind of sees the reins on that. And we would have holidays at her house with her husband and then she just recently passed due to COVID and we're still going to go over there. Like we're still going to use that space because my uncle still lives there, her husband. And we want, we don't want him to feel like now that that's pa- she's passed that he's, right. he's no longer a part of the family. And so, oh, my answer to that would be, you just got to You've just got to inf- almost enforce it like a, a in your military is that, you know, this is your, this is your meeting at 0800. Party hey, yeah. Party at, you know, 1800, be there yeah, and just, you just have fun and you just make it a tradition. And there are going to be years where sometimes your kids are going to have something going on because eventually they'll have kids and, right. you know, but for the most part, you want to make it to, you just say, Hey, you know, just always say, Hey, we're having a gathering. Come, come bring your friend, bring your loved one and just, and just build that tradition from the ground up.
1: Yeah, and that and we kind of started that already. We've been uh, we we got a, a customized uh, table that we built for for everyone. It's like a table for fits ten people, right? So we'll have like a game night where slowly we're 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 making that like putting it in their brain, right? Because mm-hmm. right now they they have I think the two older boys have girlfriends. Uh, the other ones, you know, they they don't. But you know, friends or any family, things like that. We have nephews that are they're coming back from military service as well, and one of them specifically um, is a recruiter now. Happened to be here stationed in, in in Phoenix, and so he's starting to come over. And so we're we're building that 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 you know, kind of training that mindset of like at least once a week we all come together, we have dinner, we have game night, and then hopefully from there, you know, as we host Thanksgiving. New Year's, Christmas, whatever, Fourth you know, of July, get all care. of them. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, we almost burnt down our neighbor's yard for <laughs> New Year's, freaking because I, you know, I got Texas real uh, Texas, um, uh, what do you call it, um, rockets mm-hmm. and fireworks. Not like here in Arizona where it's not legal, only the little small ones. So probably shouldn't be saying that, <laughs> but I'm just saying we got real fireworks and uh, almost uh, set our neighbor's house on fire on accident because. Um, You know things happen. So, um, but anyways, going back to yes, uh, any of those holidays. That's and you're right. Then that's kind of what we've started. But nonetheless, that that fear every once in a while it creeps up. And you know, like I said, reading more about it, it's there's an anxiety there. And when I think about it, I get anxious. Yeah, like I do. I'm like, am I gonna be forgotten? Like when I die, like I'm like, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of dying and nobody remembering me a year from now or going even worse like people just going god I'm glad he's dead <laughs> like oh why didn't anybody tell me i would have changed <laughs> a little bit maybe i don't know
0: <laughs> yeah and i would say also just change it up like maybe you know like it's game night and stuff like for christmas maybe you do a theme for christmas like it's pajama christmas or
1: well, that's Crystal's job because she does that already.
0: Yeah, I was going to say to just maybe even have a theme to the party so that people actually, you know, come with something. So like 4th of yeah. July, it's it's steak and everybody just brings what kind of steaks they want cooked and
1: Yeah, yeah, and that that's that's where she so that's why I keep her around because she's she does all that. She's she's the clever one and so yeah, and it's funny cuz we'll do we'll do theme Christmases every year something different, right? This year, I don't know why she chose Adidas, like she didn't want to do like a retro kind of Christmas, but like Adidas tracksuits, you know, so we look like a mall family. I was like, <laughs> what is this, a Jersey Shore? But uh, I think one, yeah, one year she did like the old traditional like pajamas and onesies. She's done the onesie thing. She's done the uh, robes, you know, special like fluffy robes. And so the kids by now, they like it. the older boys at one point when they were teens, they were like, this is so stupid. You can't even see it. We have the classic family pictures. Where like all the kids are happy, and then the older boys are like miserable. But uh, but it's but at the end of the day, they all know it now. It doesn't matter. They're gonna do it, and they they love it. And one day they'll be cheesy too, and they'll do it to their kids.
0: Yeah, And, and that's that's what you'll pass on is that kind of that enjoyment of being together. And so ideally, you know, as you're the patriarch, become the patriarch of the of this family. Yeah, then you will. I would say, you know, they'll keep past doing these traditions that you kind of instilled in them, maybe putting their own little twist on it to, you know, make it their own. But that's kind of the goal is you want them to be the head of their own household, too, at some point.
1: Yeah, like, that's true. And and making sure that they follow not necessarily in our footsteps, but just, you know, having a good life, you know, having a good family life and things like that. That's the other piece, too, is, um I, I, I think it's part of this. I don't know if it's a separate issue or a separate fear. Uh, I, I, I'd like to think it's all kind of combined, but making sure that, you know, the mistakes that I made in the past, you know, whatever, that they don't make those either. Right. So yeah. I want them to remember me for the, the good things and the bad things. Just know that, look, I'm just human, just like everybody else. I'm a normal guy. The other part too, is I like to joke around, you know? And so sometimes I'm like, man, maybe I shouldn't joke too much. Cause I don't want to remember it as the clown. <laughs> but then you're like, but that's funny though. Like, it can't. Like, there's times when I work, I'm like, look, I need to be serious here. But people say the dumbest things. You just like, I can't help it. Like, you're you're lobbing me up these like little softballs here. I have to hit them out of the park, right? And I'm like, I can't just be serious. I just can't be a serious guy. And so I struggle between trying to be serious and then just just letting it out there. You know, at the end of the day, I, I think I just I just have to stop worrying about that stuff or whatever. So, but um, but yeah, that's another that's another struggle too i'm like i don't want i want them to yeah the dad he was a goofball you remember remember dad he remember he had he was a coin he had the corny jokes the dad jokes and stuff like that but i want to be remembered as like yes he was funny but he knew when to be funny and he knew when to be serious and all of a sudden I'm like i don't know i'm i'm a mess well
0: <laughs> a mess. unfortunately that's the that's the hard part of this fear is you can't pick the legacy at all like you All these things. Why can't I? Yeah, that's (laughs) it's the whole. It's out of your hands to control because you can only do the best you can. And I would say, you know, as far as family goes, time is the is the is the greatest currency you can get uh, is can offer anyone is your time because time is the only thing you have a finite amount of.
1: Yeah, that's true. At this point, uh, if I were to die right now, they would just remember me as being like bipolar and neurotic cause you're right I can't i can't, I don't know which one to choose i'm like i'm I'm strict i'm funny i'm I'm a good guy, I'm a funny guy, but you know so at this point, so I don't know I guess I just and that's fine if that's if that's my legacy and that's what they remember me as long as it's all in in love and everything i I guess I should just not have to worry about it, but at the end of the day
0: well just it would just depend on what when your oldest has a kid how how do they raise them do they do you see a lot of your parenting tactics? That you did used on your grandchildren. So if you see your son taking your, you know, playing planks on your grandson, right? Then you know, okay, obviously he's gotten that from me to do that and stuff like
1: that. Yeah. So I feel like if my kids have grandkids, then I'll just, you know, I'll use all the new tricks that I've learned as an older parent. Mm -hmm. Uh, on the grandkids. And then that'll erase all the mistakes I made with my children. Right. I don't know if that's how it works, but
0: (laughs) that's why (laughs) you get spoiled by your grandparents. (laughs) Right. Yeah.
1: That's probably what it is. Right. That's probably what it is. So I'm like, look, all the mistakes I made with you, son, I learned, I've learned, I've have 20 or 30 years of experience now. I'm a great parent. Let me teach you how to do it. And they're like, that sucks. Your kids are like, why couldn't you have been that amazing with me? You're like, sorry uh so you're, i don't know you're don't know. a test
0: patient zero <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah well and we kind of feel like that with the we have uh the my daughter she's 12 and the boy he's uh nine and so they're kind of lucky because they're getting you know the 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 better parents if you will like the older boys are like hey sorry all i could say is like look man i was you were trial you were trial, you know, like remember back in the day when like AOL would give you like 500 minutes of like trial yes. service or whatever, and then you wasted it away. You're like, okay, so that was the trial service. Sorry about that. <laughs> kind of messed up a little bit. I spent all the, all the, all the minutes and looking all, up all the, all the naughty stuff. Uh, that's before we knew what the internet really was. Right. Uh, now, now I got under control. Yeah. I know how to manage this better. So thank you. Thank you for your service son. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's what you tell that's what you tell your kids is you you all got my best. You just slowly see yeah. how much better my best got.
1: My <laughs> best to- yeah. My best is better now. So sorry. <laughs> but uh, no, they've turned out, you know, yeah. good so far, you know. If if at the end of the day like you were saying, you know, if you see some of those traits in 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 them when they have kids, you know, if they do one of the many things that I did right, just one. I'd be happy with that. You know, if they took one of the things they learned from it and, and applied that, then I w- I would be happy with it. You know, they don't need to do everything. I want them to be their own people and all that. But, you know, it is kind of all tied together and you know, just at the end of the day, you're right. Cause I'm not worried about what the outside world is going to think of me. You know, that's a whole other level, right? That's now, you're talking about being famous and all this other stuff, right? I don't care about that. Right. It's the, my legacy is within my family. That's what I, I care about. Now, if that happens one day, because you know, my, my podcast, you know, uh, reaches the, the highest levels, then that's fine. That's, 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 that's just a little part of it. Right. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say I don't want that. That's, you know, part of, having fomo and fear of missing out too is is wanting to to be the best in what you do right and being part of 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 an elite group or not which is why you know i've i've always been into like acting and, and and comedy and things like that and um i know you're um i mean you you do comedy you're a professional comedian right do yeah. you do stand up things like that i'm yes. assuming right I, your posts and things like that uh, and I looked up a, a, a little bit so you know I'd love to obviously talk to you more offline about this stuff too but that's something that that I've also kind of explored and, and looked into because it just it's always been something that's looked in fact, Uh, When we were talking earlier today, and I mentioned, you know, I moved to Chicago, you know, when I was, you know, 19, 20 years old. And um, that was one of the things I wanted to do. I read a lot about uh, Second City, right? Mm -hmm. Was it Second City in Chicago? right? And um, I never did it. I never, I I was always afraid. I was always afraid to do that. And I always said, I want to do that. I want to do that. Uh, Instead, I ended up joining the military. Um, but that's always kind of been there, you know, and at the end of the day, it, there was two things, two things I did in the military, I was in combatives training. So I did, um, you know, pretty much, um, you know, hand to hand combat training and I was an instructor too. So I really got into that and I was in a little, uh, a few competitions. I did some boxing, things like that. So I really got into that. Uh, but I never got into like uh, a real professional fight outside of the military. It was all in training, right? Yes, I've been punched in the face and choked out, all kinds of stuff, and and I enjoyed it. But I never did it professionally or even once, right? And I even said, but what's the next thing? I'm like, well, comedy was another thing that I wanted to do, right? There's these two things that I, that there's everything else in life. I've either, I've either done the things that I wanted to do, or I don't really care to do it anymore, right? Like, I always wanted to jump out of an airplane. I never did it, not in the military, not outside. And I'm 42 now. I really have no desire to jump out of an airplane. So I'm okay with all that stuff. But MMA, you know, getting to professional fight, I still wish I could have done that, but I'm going to let that one go. But there's no excuse for me to not at least once in my life get up and make fool of myself or whatever it is, whether it works out or it doesn't work out and at least give it one shot because there's no excuse. There is no excuse for that, right? I'm not going to get punched in the face. You know, I'm going to get my <laughs> feelings hurt maybe at the most, right? But I think I can deal with that yeah. now. Maybe 10 years ago, I wasn't ready for that, but maybe older now you're like, eh, it is what it is, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know.
0: I would say it's a punch in the gut. <laughs> I would say that it can be yeah. a punch <laughs> in the gut because it's a, it's a, It it's a very hit or miss kind of art because you can, the the more you love what you've written, the harder it hurts when it doesn't land.
1: Others don't. Yeah. Ah. See, (laughs) it's like what
0: it's like watching your kids, and you're a big baseball fan, watching your kid play baseball, and then seeing them pick flowers out there, and all the other parents like, who is that? (laughs) Whose kid is that? And you're just, whose
1: kid is that? (laughs) Oh man. Yeah, that's exactly. Because right. my son played soccer when he was younger and he was the goalie at one point and he was doing exactly. He was just kicking rocks. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Watch the ball. Stop kicking rocks. So I'm like, yeah, I, I see. I hear you, man. <laughs> yeah, It's
0: it's definitely fun. It's addictive. Uh, it's definitely if you're if you're into thrilling, it's yeah. it's a huge fear and it's very addictive. Once you've done it, like you want to do it again. Most people I know that have tried it have stuck with it to some degree until yeah. life is either dictated they you know they have to do something else or they found that they right. they found something else that they they're passionate about. Right. It's fun since you say you're around the Phoenix area I believe the Tempe Improv is, yeah is there. I That's don't know fair. if if they do open mic. I'm sure there are some open mics in Phoenix.
1: I think they do. There's one not far from me either, in Chandler, and I pass it uh, most of the time from coming from work to here. And I see it; it's in my face. I mean, it's right there. It's um, it's it's actually it's they do uh, open mics, and then they also have. Um, I think it's like uh, God, I forget what it's like five dollars. They charge you like five dollars for like five minutes or something like that, right? Or you have to buy if you buy like a meal and a and a beer or something like in a drink you get to go up there for five minutes or something like that. So it's one of those, you know, and it's also, um, they have like a little small theater. So they do improvisational classes and they do uh, improv too. You can go up there. So, and I know a few of the people, when you say like the veteran community, it's funny, but there are a lot of veterans that are getting into comedy Mm -hmm. uh, and successfully too, you know, so that's, that's encouraging. Um, I don't want to be that guy because I've seen it, you know. And there's, and they're yeah. they're very good at it. Where it's the niche is like, oh, their comedy is all about their military experience, which is great. I love it. But you know, I I want it to be a little bit more, you know, open than that. And plus, you know, I've seen it already. I've I've seen people do it. I, I I'm sure I could add to, but I I don't, you know, I'd rather I'd rather not be stuck in in this niche, you know. But either way, I'm I do not know what I'm talking about. I just I just know that it, it's something that I wanted to give a shot at yeah. or a shot.
0: And it's it can definitely derail and go different ways. It just depends on what you end up focus. It's it's more of the, I guess, what honesty you bring because a lot of it is is just honesty. A lot of my yeah. material isn't jokes or stories. It's real experiences that happen to me that may or may not be exaggerated to the point that it gets ludicrous. But there are times where you have to, I guess... I'm trying to think of the good word for it is you just have to kind of be accepting of who you are because a yeah. lot of times you go up there with the fantasy of how it's going to go and you may not be that person. Like a lot of people yeah. will like to be the cool. It's that cool macho. I'm witty. Look at all these intelligent punchlines right. and that may not be who you are. You may be just awkward and shy and stuff in the big or the big softy or just, You talk what it depends on what you want to talk about and just how the audience perceives you and which is kind of a hard thing to you have to balance who you are versus what the audience thinks you are,
1: right? And that is that's tough, especially that ego, right? Like kind of I guess putting that ego aside for for the better of your of your your comedy because for for me especially or other veterans that's kind of a a tough thing to do, right? Because you've always been tried to or you always try to portray yourself as like a you know, a tough guy, you know, and sometimes that's not necessarily funny mm-hmm. uh, or it doesn't make sense or it's not who you really are. Like you said, you know, yeah. there are some people it's perfect. You know, Andrew, I think Andrew Dice Clay was like a good example of like, he was played that tough guy, but at the end of the day, it was a character. Right. Yes. Like he, he was it was a character that he had other characters. And so, but that's a lot of people are like, oh, I can be that guy. You're like, Yeah, but can you though? And yeah. then then you just gotta stick to it. You're like, that's for me, that's tough. I, I, I agree with you. Being yourself, I mean, for some people it might be easy to to play a character, but for me, as far as like just getting started at, at an older age, um, uh, I think the, the best way to go is, is write some material of personal stuff and you know, uh, I don't know, exaggerate from there yeah. and, and build a story. Yeah
0: and improv is it just depends on your style Like improv is going to be the opposite of stand up because stand up is everything is about you so when you're a stand up comic you're the center of attention you're the one that's telling the whole story even the funny part and it's all about you improv is completely different it is a group of people working together to try and build the other one up so as you say something I have to be So if you're like, we're, you know, for, you know, we're all dancers. Yes, we're dancers and we're going to a party. You know, you have to, yeah, yeah. yeah, you can't say, no, we're not, you can't change it. You have to go with what they've, what's already been said and then add the next piece to it. So it's almost like building blocks and you may not have the funniest line. You just, but you have to keep playing the game. You can't, you can't, you can't be like, yeah, we're dancers going to the party and, uh uh-oh, so we're all wearing dresses you know you can't you can't steal all the funny lines you can't be because that's you gotta
1: yeah and almost like you're setting other people up mm-hmm. and um i and, and i've always enjoyed that part i i mean i did theater in high school and you know some of that i i, I directed well i mean it's high school right so uh like once again we're going back to the the glory days um and uh I remember like I, I I directed a play, it was Cinderella, but instead it was I mean, we were progressive for the time, I and mean, this is the 90s, and I directed Cinderella, So instead of Cinderella, it was the guy. Uh and we were in El Paso, so we had a we had a Cholo, you know, anybody <laughs> a, a, a Mexican gangster, essentially, literally this dude. I don't know how he ended up in this theater class, but he was, you know, 17, 16 years, whatever he was, tattooed, bald head, and needed to pass this class because that was part of his credit, I guess. So I I have no understanding, but he ended up playing, I don't know how I convinced this guy to be my Cinderella, Uh, but we call him Cinderfella, right, instead. And so, you know, I've always enjoyed that, you know, even writing and creating and things like that, you know, but um, and so I, I have a, a little bit of, of, understanding of what that is, but, you know, it's been such a long time. And I remember like, just those were good times in, in just being creative, um, which is why I enjoy the, the podcast because I get to be creative and talk about whatever, you know, I want to be, as long as the audience enjoys it, you know, and that's one thing I've learned. I've had to learn to adapt and I've had to learn to change segments, you know, like last right now I'm in between seasons, right? So season two, I learned a lot. There were some episodes, some shows. People didn't like talking about. So I completely took those out and I stuck with what people like. People love murder mystery right now and they love talking about weird stuff and, and, um, you know, mysteries of, of any kind. And so that's kind of what we talk about. Yeah. It's got a veteran vibe to it because we got two veterans talking about it. Mm-hmm. But if you listen to the show, you'll see a lot of that kind of, um, the, the, the back and forth between me and Crystal. Right. Mm-hmm. And Crystal, she's not a theater person at all. She's not like, she, she likes to talk, but she, so I'll set up, like you said, I'll do a setup. And she's like, What? No, wait, what are you talking about? I'm like, it's a setup. It's a setup. Just go with it. Just go with it. It's for the show. She's like, oh, okay. And so, you know, she's, but she's learned now. And like me and her have like kind of come together now. And I think that that obviously comes with with time. But man, like to be around those like-minded people where you don't have to coach them or they don't have to coach you. You kind of just get it. Like, I miss that, right? I want to be kind of part of that again so i don't know that's something that's probably here in my near future and you know i just need to get off my ass and just 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 go for it and yeah. see see what happens so
0: yeah just go in there and watch them All right? the easiest thing to do is watch an open mic one night and not go up just because you can it, it makes it easier to see people doing it before you have to do it yourself yeah and that was one thing when i started comedy i was going to do it the week before it actually started And I went down there, and they're like, well, watch this one first. They literally told me when I was, you know, looking at this. Why don't you just buy a ticket, watch it tonight, then come back next week. Because, you know, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of, you know, I could be in Arsenio Hall where I run back out. Because that's Arsenio Hall's story of his first time doing stand-up. They called his name, and he ran out the door. Like, he couldn't go up on stage. Like, not on stage. He went exit. Right, And so... And so to keep them from having that at the venue, it's a, you know they were just like, why don't you just watch this that week? You know, it was seven dollars to watch, and you just kind of watch people go up and slowly. As I watch people, I was like, I can do this. Yeah, I feel like I can. I I have I I don't feel like I'm completely overmatched. Like I'm not watching peak Jerry Seinfeld. You know that would be intimidating to see, go to an open mic and just seeing like legends of comedy just throwing down yeah, killer yeah. stuff. But I was like, okay, now that I've got an idea in my mind, because it was also the place I was going was, was clean comedy. And so it's one of those things too, where if you're afraid you're going to you know, curse or use profanity, why not watch and just see how these clean comics do it? Yeah. And so I realized I could do it. And I've had my slip ups there, but it was just, way better if I watched and just okay they're not doing anything that's groundbreaking so I feel like whatever I do is at least on this level it's not something I'm not completely butchering or making a mockery of anything
1: you're not going to stand out on on the negative side
0: well and that you can kind of maybe see if you see some people maybe your age that are just starting out because it's also when you do comedy, it's also nice to have a, a peer group that's on the same level, or for military terms, same rank as you are, that have the same yeah. problems. Because you don't, if you're going to be a private, uh, military speaking, you're going to be a private. You don't want to complain to a, a sergeant first class about how hard it is to be a private. They they can't relate anymore. Right.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly.
0: <laughs> and so it's that's always it's always a good thing to just have you know comics that are around your age, or comic kind of age, yeah. So if you do do comedy, are you going to try to do that next week or are you just going to? I
1: don't know, man. I don't know. Well, this next week we're going to to California. We're going on a weekend uh, little uh, beach getaway just to get away at least once or twice a year. Once again, with the kids, that's the one thing too that that and I never traveled. Right. I wasn't a travel. My parents didn't travel. My family didn't travel. So it wasn't in me. Crystal travels. She loves traveling. So that's one thing she's brought to the family to me. And so now we, no matter if it's just, you know, six hours away, drive here, drive to El Paso, go to California, even up north in, in Arizona, whatever it is, we're always traveling at least two, three times. At least twice a year, we do kind of, a, at least once a year, we'll do a big family trip. Twice a year, we'll at least go to the beach or go somewhere else, right? But we're always traveling. And so that's one of the things I hope to, to leave behind because, you know, at least as a family. And so next weekend, you know, I've got an excuse. I'm going to California. But- Weekend after that. Okay, I'm gonna look into it, and I don't know, man. Do you think I should write? Like, I have some stuff. Well, I actually just, have written.
0: I would just watch what they do, and then just naturally see what. So you, just go and yeah. then see. Yeah, see what they do, and then see if you want to prepare stuff. Because yeah. I think it doesn't matter what you do. It's just you just got to go up there and try it. It's not. It's nothing right. you can. There's no. There's no pro to going up completely, you know, with a structured set the first time, like a whole monologue versus yeah. I have no idea what I'm gonna talk about. I'm just going to be up here and oh. talk. Yeah.
1: And then normally like what within three or four, the fourth time you're up there, you probably get like what a, a million dollar contract or so? How long did it take? About three or four weeks or so well, maybe it's been maybe a month. I'm almost. still waiting.
0: Um, I'm 14 years in and still waiting. Okay. And, but it's All just right, well. it's fun to do. <laughs> it's so much fun no, to do. I'm sure.
1: Trust me, the, I don't get a payday for my podcast. It's I've been doing it for over two years, but I love it. Yeah. I love it. I, I mean, I get little perks here and there. There's people come on and they sponsor us and they help us out. And I've gotten some amazing hot sauce, you know, from Homeboys. Well, actually, it's not Homeboys hot sauce anymore. It's Catino's hot sauce. So I'm throwing out a shameless plug there. But I'm just saying, like, you know, even those things, the community, the people that I have met, um, that alone is is worth it right yeah um so it's it's fun like you said i'm sure the same thing for you as far as the 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 friends you've met at the clubs and the different scenes the the Mm -hmm. you know i'm sure you've gone to different cities and areas um it's fun right
0: yeah so when you do your i have this podcast is for me was just to kind of depart from comedy i didn't want to do a comedy podcast per se i want to do something else that i was interested in yeah and not be like, okay, you know, how am I competing with Joe Rogan? The Joe Rogan experience. Oh, I've, I've gotten one millionth of their, of their, of their listenership. That's
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. When I hit a thousand people, when I hit, um, I think I'm averaging like a few hundred a show and I'm like, that's amazing. I can't believe like a hundred people, 150 people listened to this one episode. I think I have, um, like 500 was the most right. That one episode. And it was like a really cool one. I tapped into a certain community and, and uh, we were talking about the, the missing women of Juarez. Right. And so like, we really tapped into this like special community and we had so much response, you know, then you have other shows. You're like, nobody cares. Like you got 10 listeners. And so, but, but it's fun. It's interesting. You know, even just getting that, you know, you're not, I'm not even talking thousands, you know, talking just a few hundred. And, but within that small community, it, 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 it grows and it feels good when people look at you and like, Oh, I remember you guys talked about this and that's one time and blah, blah. blah and like, Oh my God, you actually listened? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's, co- that's fun. That's fun. So
0: I will get there. And I guess it's one of those things too, where I just like, I want to love doing this rather than love trying to look at the numbers. Cause I don't look at the numbers until I upload the next episode. Yeah. So that's, that's one way too to not like very rarely, like sometimes I'll get not on my here, computer yeah. and, the podcast app will be up and I'll, you know, I'll be going and it refreshes, but I don't See, use... it's
1: hard for me because Anchor just, just shows you. I don't know if you, do you use Anchor?
0: No, I use, uh, or I use, other. I use Podbean. Or use
1: Pod. Oh, I use Anchor and it just shows you. Like when you go into upload, it just shows you everything, like right in your face. So I used to look it up, but I don't anymore. But when I go to upload, it's right there. It shows yeah. you all the numbers and all. You're like, ah, but like I said, it's at the end of the day, like I've gotten used to it now. It's not about that anymore. It's about the the camaraderie the the people you meet and you know so it's it's fun it's cool
0: yeah i thank you for doing this mario uh where can yeah. people find you and your podcast on social media
1: so they just go uh fallen 360 on instagram we also have a Fallen 360 facebook page um or if you just find i also have my own personal mario aguirre you know facebook page where i post about you know all kinds of stuff or family stuff and everything else, you know, and, and, and the shows and whatever craziness we're, we're, we're up to. So awesome. you can also reach me at phone 360 at com If you have any questions.
0: All right, we'll do. Well, I thank you again. I would say chances are you're going to leave a good legacy because you, you seem like you, like you said, you're doing all the right things. You're, you're bringing, you're keeping your family close. You're not alienate them by any means. You're, you're making sure to, highlight and have make the moments together fun and I believe that that's the best way to be remembered is to kind of you know bring happiness and joy to everybody
1: yeah well I didn't talk about the Tuesday night beatdowns so that might change your mind <laughs> it's already seven thirty. I gotta go and do a little bit of beatings to the children's but um so that might change but I don't know no, I'm just joking. Uh, obviously, thank you for having me. Um, I know you mentioned early on, so I'm not going to give it away. I do have another. This one was a weird fear because it's one of those that's very personal and I never really thought of it as a fear. But when you mentioned it, when I saw your post asking, I was like, I can't go for the normal stuff. Like I got to go with something that is deep, right? And and I, I think like we we got somewhere with it. And I thank you for, for kind of helping me work that out too. But the other fear that you, I talked to you about, that one We should definitely do that one because that one will be more fun. Because that's a real, real like phobia. Like it's just disgusting. I'm not going to give it away, but people should definitely when that one when we decide to do that one. I have so many stories about that, and I have. Oh, it's just it's it gives me jitters just thinking about that right now. So, anyways, I I got things crawling on my skin right now. So, anyways, but thank you for having me on, man.
0: No problem. Thanks for doing it. All right, take care. So that was Mario. What an interesting conversation. Because I wonder if some of that is coming from his military background. As somebody that's fought in active duty and seen some of his fellow brothers and sisters in arms fall in front of him. And having to think about what to tell their family. It's got to be... Just a hard thought to have by yourself. I can't imagine... Trying to think about how people remember me. I try to do the best I can. I haven't been the best person. A lot of my... Friends from my past... Don't speak to me anymore. I... Ruined that. I wasn't the best person. I made mistakes. And I've learned from them. Hopefully... I can do better as I go forward. I try to live every day with an attitude of gratitude and just pay it forward to people I care about. If you like the show, uh, give us a follow. uh, Leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Every review helps. If you have feedback, send an email to somefearfans at gmail.com. Next weekend, I will attempt... A live podcast at the Pediculous Brewery in Dallas, Texas. As a part of a art show at Pediculus Brewery. Hopefully we'll have a fun time. I got all the equipment, tested it out. Seems to be working fine. I will have my second round of vaccinations that week as well. So we'll be doing that pretty sore. Other than that, I've got shows coming up this Thursday at Hyannism Fort Worth. Uh, You can come check me out there. Also, Saturday night at the Addison Improv at 11.30. I'll be with Justin Foster. Check those out. Also, in June, I'll be featuring in Fort Worth with Matt Sadler. So check those out at RyanPerio.com or on my social media at RyanPerio. I want to thank you guys for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. And now some thank yous for the folks that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater for my art and graphics. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhiteh20. Get it? H2O like water. You can also follow him on Facebook Music. A huge thank you to Gunnar Olsen for the wonderful music provided for this podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns. That's G-U-N-B-U-N-S. As well as his website, gunnarolson.net. Check out some of the samples that he has recorded. They're amazing. He's an amazing percussionist. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Facebook group, Some of All Fears. Instagram, Twitter, you can find us at Some Fear Fans. If you have some feedback for the show, email me at Some Fear Fans, S O M E F E A R F A N S, at gmail.com. I'll be happy to, to take those into consideration also if you'd like to be a guest email me at somefearfans at gmail.com we can try to iron out some details and get that settled in you know give us some feedback if on apple google spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts leave a review it makes the show bigger and it's not going anywhere i'm going to record as many shows as i possibly can if you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O on all social media platforms. You can follow me there and you can check me out at Ryanperio.com, my website. I'll try to list upcoming shows there as well. It's been kind of spotty because as soon as I set it up, that's when the pandemic happened. And everything's kind of just in a in a holding pattern. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening.